Let's open our Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 11 as we approach the end of our study of the preacher. God gave us Solomon, the beloved son of David, as our personal counselor in this one of his three books to teach us wisdom. The wisdom that he teaches us in Ecclesiastes is how to live a life under the sun with some profit and pleasure. There's no mention of a Savior, no mention of a Messiah, no mention of the Gospel, because he's dealing with life under the sun. But those who read the book of Ecclesiastes, the Lord who gave us the whole book assumes that we know that there are 65 other books that in varying degrees point us to the Gospel. And the New Testament is the section of the Bible that gives us the Gospel, the good news, the glad tidings that are in Jesus Christ. So that while Solomon looks at death in one way, and it's terrible the way Solomon looks at it, because death is terrible, you can't put a good light on it until you get to the Gospel. Solomon looks at death in one way and draws different conclusions than what the Apostle Paul would draw from death in the New Testament. In the New Testament... Paul would look at death and say, it is gain for me to die. Um, it is far better to die and to depart and to be with Christ. And Peter would say that he was looking forward to his departure. He wasn't looking at death as a terrible thing, but as one that would get him to heaven. Solomon looks at death and says, it's a terrible thing. You're going to lose all your joy, strength, pleasure, abilities, powers. And so therefore, you ought to use your young life and work as hard as you can because pretty soon you're going to go someplace where you can't work. And we've, we've been over those verses. Chapter 9, verse 10 tells us that. On what basis did Solomon teach a man with strength to work hard in 9.10? On the basis of getting ahead? On the basis of getting rich? On the basis of providing for the poor? No, no, and no. He taught hard work on the basis that once you're in the grave, you can't work hard. So use the life that you have, and we're going to see some of that today. I'm saying all this because I hope that you will understand how the Bible all fits together. All of it is part of God's wisdom for us, but not all of it, not each book, gives all that the Bible has to say. Ecclesiastes is about, is about life under the sun and how to have profit and pleasure while you're here in this world. How should you approach it? The New Testament is going to tell us that we have a brother named Jesus Christ who has defeated death. And who did not see corruption. He died in the prime of life at the age of 33 and lives forever in heaven. That's a different message than what we get here. It's not a contradictory message. It's a different message. We want both. And Ecclesiastes is one of the tools of the schoolmaster. The schoolmaster is the Old Testament to lead us to Christ because it doesn't have the answers. The answers are found in the New Testament, the complete answer. I hope that's enough that you'll understand how this fits in. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, let's get right after it in verse 7. Verses 1 through 6 were the providence of God and how we should go ahead and exercise ourselves in business practices and charity Trusting the Lord for His blessing on both efforts. That if you were to worry about the clouds and the wind and the rain and, and where the tree was going to fall, you'd never get anything done in life. Right. If you're always afraid of striking out, you'll never go to the plate to hit a home run. And so that's verses 1 through 6 of chapter 11. Now we come to verse 7. I'm going to read verses 7 and 8. 
The lesson is that remembering death, thinking about death, should help you to live a better life. It should enhance your life. Ecclesiastes 11.7 Truly, the light is sweet, and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. Amen. Amen. Remembering death, because it tells us in the middle of verse 8, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. There are days of darkness in your life that will be days of sickness and decay. And there are days of darkness in your life that will be days of death when you're in the ground. And all is going to be dark. There will be no light then. There will be no sunlight, no sunshine then. And so, we're going to get a couple of lessons out of these four verses that end chapter 11. We're going to get the lesson that because life is short, you should maximize each day of it. And because life is short and you're going to meet your Creator... You better be, better be living in light of that because you'll give an account for it. <coughs> truly. Truly. I like that from the preacher. These are the inspired words of God. Truly, the light is sweet. That's right. In recent weeks, I have mentioned to you as we've looked at Solomon's desire for us to have a merry life, a merry heart, to eat our bread with joy and to drink our wine with a merry heart. Those verses that are repeated over and over in the book of Ecclesiastes, I've mentioned to you uh, my experience, and I'm hoping that you all have the same experience, of going out on the back deck at about 10 o'clock in the morning when the sun is at the perfect angle and the heat is just right in the month of October in Greenville, South Carolina, to rejoice in the goodness of God. When you go outside on a wonderful day, it's a little chilly today. But the, sun, the light is still sweet. But when you go out on a, on a day that's 70 or 75 degrees and the Lord embraces you with His sunshine, what rises in your heart? Is your heart full of joy? Do you know that you're partaking of something sweet? Yes. Truly. Truly the light is sweet. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to enjoy sunshine. Job and David in the Psalms and the book of Job speak about enjoying the light in the land of the living. Because the land of the dead has no light. There's no light six feet under. There's just darkness and worms. And so the lesson is enjoy the light while you can. Truly, the light is sweet. And life is sweet. And life that allows you to see the light is sweet. Sunshine is a wonderful thing. We love it when the, when the rain clouds go away and the, the sun breaks out. And puts light out like we have through these Windows that are facing the southeast. The Lord is very good to us in giving us sunshine. He considers His Son a great blessing that He gives. The preacher does not want you to miss the love of life. Truly, the light is sweet. The life of a child of God is not one of mourning all the time. Some of these things we have preached already through the book of Ecclesiastes. We are to mourn when we have sins to repent of. When we don't have sins to repent of, we are to rejoice and enjoy richly the good things that God gives us. According to 1 Timothy 6, that's in the New Testament. He has given us 
Rain and fruitful seasons from heaven, filling our hearts with food and gladness. That's Acts chapter 14. That is part of the gospel of the New Testament. And so it is here. Truly, delight is sweet. Doesn't the Bible say, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is in me, bless his holy name. Who reneweth thy youth like the eagles. Who giveth, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. Aren't you glad we have to eat? Three times a day, for those of you who limit yourself to three. You know, and every time you eat, you get to taste that food. We've spoken about it before, that we could just pour some nutritional liquid down a hole that would have no taste buds in it, but the Lord is good to us. Doesn't the Bible say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good? Psalm 34 and verse 8, oh, taste and see. Do you know what I want to get across at this point? Do you stop and smell the roses? Do you stop and smell the roses? Or are you too busy with your life? Slow down and enjoy each day because dark days are coming where there are no roses. Listen, there's a day coming when you're going to bring me a rose, but the only thing I'm going to be smelling is the canned oxygen that's coming out of the hose at my nostrils. You can hold that rose right up over me, but I won't be able to smell it. Because your olfactory nerves are going away. You're not going to be able to smell anymore. And because you won't be able to smell, you're not going to taste your food like you once did. Those days are coming. Then you get applesauce. And I'll spoon feed it to you, or you can spoon feed it to me. Or mashed potatoes. Now, we're not making light of the decay, but we've got to laugh at it a little bit because I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ saw no corruption, and He has saved us from permanent corruption. He's going to glorify our bodies forever in heaven. And if it wasn't for that, we should close up these doors and sell the property. Because that's the blessed message of the gospel. And I sent you a verse yesterday that's very important. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. We have the worst religion going if the part about the next life isn't there. Because we live lives of self-denial and we get persecuted by this world because we're different than they are. And if there's not a future life, what a terrible religion we have. But there is a future life. And that's taught in the New Testament. That was the great message of Paul. Solomon didn't teach it. Solomon didn't know much about it. He knew there was one, just like Job knew there was one. But the purpose in Ecclesiastes was not to tell us about the next life. It was to tell us about how to get something out of this life. Please be with me on that. Truly, the light is sweet. Have each of you, in the last month, enjoyed one of those beautiful days God's given us and you've told the Lord, thank you, I love you, the whole earth is full of your glory, or something like to that effect? Have you told the Lord that? Does He fill your soul and heart with gladness? Wow, what what a beautiful day. I'm feeling my oats. Thank you, Lord. Horses eat oats and they feel good. I eat a bratwurst and I feel good. You eat whatever you want and you feel good. But you enjoy it. You look at a rose. You look at a blue jay. The, the irritating birds that they are. But you look at that color on a red flower with green leaves. Did we have a beautiful fall? Now, we had a beautiful fall. One of the prettiest that we've seen in Greenville since we've been here 24 years. Beautiful foliage on the trees. Truly, the light is sweet. You wouldn't be able to see any of that without sunlight, and you wouldn't be able to see any of that sunlight on those beautiful leaves if you weren't alive. Truly, 
The light is sweet and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. It's a blessing from God to be able to see the sun and sunshine. Do you know God considers it a great token of His goodness, even to His enemies? In Matthew 5, 45, when He speaks of loving your enemies, He says, I send my Son on the evil and the good, and I send my rain on the just and the unjust. He knows that sunshine is a wonderful thing. He knows that rain is a wonderful thing. But you know what? We're going to need to learn about rain. When it rains, we want it to rain, and we want it to rain well, then we want it to quit, and we want the sun to come back. But do you know what? Your health is headed in the direction where it's going to start raining, and as soon as one rainstorm ends, do you know what's going to happen? The storm clouds are going to return with the next one. And it... You've got them lined up, don't you? Then, then when that storm cloud leaves, another one comes. Do you, do you understand what's coming in our lives? And so we want to live and maximize each day that God gives us. What a wonderful description. What a sunshine. Truly. The light is sweet. Let me tell you something else about that light. It's free. Pleasure in life doesn't require money. It requires the right attitude. And Ecclesiastes was to teach you the right attitude. You're going to a dark hole in the ground, so enjoy the light while you can. And it's free. It doesn't care what parents you were born to. It doesn't care about your degree of education. It doesn't care about your intelligence, your coordination, the house you live in, or where you work. It doesn't care about any of those things. The poorest man can walk outside and feel the sunshine, see the sunshine, and glorify God because it is truly sweet. And it's a pleasant thing to behold it with the eyes in the land of the living. It's a wonderful thing. It's, God's given us so many things that are free. Food is basically free. You don't have to pay a lot of money for food. Listen, a tube of crackers, and a tube of saltines, and butter, and a bottle of cheap wine is a great meal. You don't even need the wine. You can be happy with those things. If you're married, sex ought to be free. Sex is a pretty good thing. And I don't speak crudely or crassly. It's a wonderful gift that God's given. Truly, sex is sweet. And it is a pleasant thing for the body to enjoy the pleasure. That's a modification of Ecclesiastes 11.7. All these are gifts of God that He's given us to enjoy. Life under the sun can be sweet and pleasant, but it's sinful man that's corrupted it with the bad attitude toward it, an unthankful spirit, worrying too much about getting ahead so that they don't enjoy the, where they're at right now. They're discontent. Do you understand that discontentment is the greatest thief you will ever meet in your life? There's no one that can come in through your door and affect your life, but there's someone you can let into your soul that can destroy your life. And it's called discontentment. It's covetousness. It's greed. It's a life of fantasy. It's, I wish I had this different. I wish this was different. I wish I was married to someone else. I wish I had a different job. I wish I had more of this. I wish I was different. Every minute that you think those thoughts, you deny yourself the pleasure of the good things that are already in existence in your life. Amen. Because all you're doing is li- you're living in a fantasy land where there is no pleasure but only frustration. You're thinking about how it could be better, but all it does is make you frustrated and cause you to lose that minute. And pretty soon it's two minutes, and pretty soon it's an hour, and then it's a day, a week, a month, a year, and you're 51 years old, or 45, or 29, or 78, and you've wasted days, months, or years being discontent. Light 
Truly light is sweet. The light is sweet and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun, but we ruin so much by our discontentment. Sinful man's corrupted life. God made marriage and sex with one woman. Man's invented polygamy. We went over that in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Wicked women have come along and have corrupted the institution of marriage, according to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. God made things very good, and we should be able to enjoy them. But here comes the warning in verse 8. But. But is a disjunctive. That means it's connecting two different phrases, clauses, or sentences, or paragraphs, and it's showing them to be in a contrast to each other. While truly, truly, the light is sweet, and it is a pleasant thing for the eyes to behold the sun. But, if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, if you take advantage of everything that's in verse 7, you do it well. Just remember that what is coming are days of darkness, and there are going to be many. And all that cometh is vanity. And this is not a verse of despair, because the next verse is going to tell us that it's not a verse of despair. Verse 1 of chapter 12 is going to tell us it's not a verse of despair. It's a verse of warning. Days of darkness are coming, therefore we want to maximize the life that we have. Solomon nowhere in this book leaves us with despair. He leaves us with hope that we can enjoy this life, have a merry heart, and prepare to meet God all at the same time. But, if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, that would be the best way of maximizing life. Yet, let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. The lesson here is, life is short. Therefore, don't waste a day. I want to lay hold of all of our young people and the young married couples in here. It would take me hours to communicate everything to you. And there are brothers in here that would jump up and tell you and say amen to some of the things I'm going to hint at or that I'm going to say to get your attention. Those of us who are over the age of 40, we can give you advice. And we're, I'm going to give you some right now to take advantage of what you have in your youth. Don't you wait for things to get better. There is a terrible tendency in human nature not to be content with where they are, but wanting to get somewhere else. Well, I can't wait until I'm married. Well, why don't you enjoy today not being married? I can't wait till I have a better job. Well, enjoy the job you have right now. Well, I can't wait till I have more money, then we can do this or we can do that. How do you know you're ever going to have that money? How do you know you're going to live to that point in time? Enjoy it the way it is right now. Oh, I wish I wasn't pregnant. Oh, don't say that. Thank God that you can get pregnant. Thank God that you did get pregnant. Thank God that you are pregnant and enjoy it. Because there comes a time when you won't be able to get pregnant. And so don't any of you that are pregnant ever think anything like that. Yes, I know there's terrible things that go along with it that God put in Genesis chapter 3. That He would greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. But on the other hand, it's a good thing. It's a blessing from God. You're going to school. I just can't wait till I'm over with... Listen, don't you think that way. You be thankful that you can go to school, that there's a school for you to go to, that you found a course of study that you like, that somebody's paying for you to go to school in a school that's giving you a course of study that you like, that's going to lead to a transferable skill and make you more accomplished to be able to go and... And make more money than you would if you didn't go to school. 
You be thankful for all those things because a day is coming in the which we won't be able to teach you anything. We're gonna ha- we're gonna hand you a little a little box and it's gonna have a green button and a red button, and the green button's gonna give you a drop of honey, and we're gonna say push the green button for a treat, and you're gonna push the red, because you won't be able to see the difference or discern the difference. Don't laugh, brother. We can laugh, but we need it needs to sober us up. I understand these two verses not to be teaching us that there's no hope because death is coming and that all that's coming is vanity. The reason all that's coming is vanity is put here is to tell you that truly the light is sweet and you better go enjoy it now before you can enjoy it. And it's a pleasant thing for the eyes to behold the sun, which you won't be able to do. It is a privilege to go to school. It is a privilege and a blessing to be able to learn. You reach a point where your mind doesn't want to learn anymore, it can't learn anymore, and you're frustrated at anything you don't already know, and you start to forget the things that you did know. That's what's coming. So enjoy school. Everybody that's over 40, 50, 60, or 70 knows what I'm talking about. Be thankful for school. You can learn something. You can look at a page of brand new material. And if you have the right attitude, from you can rub your hands with glee and suck, suck it up. Suck it up, analyze it, file it in your, in your memory, and learn something that gives you an advantage over others in the employment field. Life is too short to waste, is the lesson that we're getting right here. Even if you live well, there's days coming. No matter how well you live them, there's dark days coming. All that cometh is vanity. You're going to lose your ability to enjoy God's life that He's given you. If a man live many years, oh, you know that's a gift from God. Do you know that's a gift from God if a man live many years? Your days are in His hands. And rejoice in them all. Is that a gift from God according to the book of Ecclesiastes? For a man to be able to enjoy his labor and rejoice in his days? That's a gift from God. Yet, let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. All that's coming is vanity. And the warning is, and it's, we're going to get it repeated in the next verse, enjoy it now. And that's what the book has been teaching us. Enjoy it now. You can have a reward now. Don't be saving up your money to give to somebody after you die. It might be a fool that gets their hands on it. Don't be so worried about your assets now that you can't sleep at night. It's telling you to enjoy your life now. We've been through all these lessons and hopefully they've accumulated in your mind. Live your life now, today. And all you young people, I worry about you. What are you waiting for about a woman? All of you that are married. I'm going to tell you, let's, let's, let's get right down to it. All of you that are married. Your spouse, in some ways, at some times, turned out to be less than you thought they were going to be. Well, that's too bad. Because you made that choice and you did it without duress or compulsion. And so you got married to the person that you're married to. And every day of your life with that person, you ought to try to maximize. Because pretty soon you won't be able to maximize it. All you guys, she's going to look at you and know that it's hopeless. You're going to look at her and push her around in a wheelchair. All that you're going to be able to smell is not her perfume, but that canned oxygen. All you're going to be able to taste is the applesauce she spoons into your slobbering mouth. Those days are coming. 
I want to impress on every young person, every young married couple, maximize today. Don't even plan on tomorrow. You should be thinking right now in some track that's not distracting you from hearing me that I can't wait to get home because I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good wife today. Today. Because your ability to enjoy marriage goes away. Oh, yes. Two old people can sit together in an old folks' home and hold hands. As long as there's a, 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 a hot, a, 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 a warming blanket around their hands because they're so cold. But they can't do the things that a young couple can do. Young couples, enjoy your young lives. They go away. Enjoy being pregnant. Enjoy going to school. Enjoy going to work. A day's coming where you can't work with such might. It's wonderful to be able to work with power. To be able to grab something and do it. To be able to look at something and figure it out and solve it. Those days are going to go away. So I want to exhort the young people. Truly, the light is sweet and is a pleasant thing for the eyes to behold the sun. But that there's dark days coming and all that cometh is vanity. Make use of your life now and do not think about a single change except those changes God wants you to make and enjoy what you have. Because pretty soon it races away and you're stuck in a life that it's hard to enjoy anything because the ability to enjoy is gone. The days of darkness are the the days of decay and sickness that chapter 12 is going to tell us all about. I'm thankful that it says here, if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, it says years, and it says to remember the days of darkness. I'm glad for the distinction. I'm glad it doesn't say, enjoy the days of pleasure and the years of pain. Are you with me? I'm glad it says, enjoy as many years, but has a few bad days. Well, no, it doesn't say a few bad days, does it? It says, many bad days. All that cometh is vanity. You know, people may call the, the, your years when you're 60, 70, or 80, the golden years, but that's not what the Bible describes them as. The Bible describes them as dark days and dark years. Yet, with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, yet, having lived our lives as wisely as we should have, yet, putting our trust in the Lord that's going to deliver us from the power of the grave, we can enjoy age at any, at any time. We'll just have to enjoy it more by faith than we will by senses. But when we're young, you can enjoy them both. And the Lord wants to get your attention while you are young. All that cometh is vanity. Life is short. So we need to maximize each day that we have. Solomon is not trying to teach us life is short, therefore life is hopeless. He's saying all that cometh is vanity. Right now you're not living in the vanity, so enjoy the light because truly it is sweet. Enjoy the sight of the sun and the things you're able to do because they're pleasant. So take advantage of them and use them before it's too late. And I fear so much. Did you hear me what I said? Let me say it one more time. No one can come through your front door, back door, or into your vehicle and take from you anything to hurt your happiness if your happiness is in the right place. But if you let discontentment come into your heart, and if a man doesn't think his wife is pretty enough, or if a woman doesn't think her husband is loving enough, or if children don't think their parents are good enough, then they waste their lives. They're the unhappiest, most frustrated people, and they lose those days, then months, then years, when you could be enjoying them. God picked your parents. God picked your spouse, husband or wife. God picked exactly that one. 
And if you try to tell me, no, I picked them, no, you didn't. You're not wise enough to have gone through three billion of the opposite sex and come up with your spouse. God arranged all the circumstances around that. Therefore, because God made these choices, we should be content. But if you let discontentment into your heart, it robs you of the days when you can enjoy life the most. Then you're old and you can't enjoy it. Does, does anybody understand? That, that it's, a, it's called a lose-lose proposition. You lose on both ends. You're not happy now because you're not happy with what God's put right in your hands. Let me tell you, a woman from God, one woman from God now, is better than Solomon's harem in your fantasy. Amen. You say, well, you don't know my wife. Well, if your wife is that bad, it's your fault. You haven't learned how to love your wife because a woman's a responder. If you learn how to love her, she'll respond. You young, you young men, don't you waste a day with your wife. Make every day a honeymoon. Pretty soon you're going to be old and, and a honeymoon's going to come once a year. I didn't say that was true for Sherry and me, but someday a honeymoon's going to come once a year. When you're young, you can have a honeymoon every day. Food. You can enjoy everything when you're young. When you're older, you know, you've got to spice it up or you've got to grind it up. <laughs> Thank you, Solomon. You know, Solomon saw this. All that, look, look at these words. All that cometh is vanity. Is heaven included in that statement? All that cometh is vanity? No, heaven's not in that statement at all. He's talking about this life only. All that cometh is vanity. But what's he talking? He's talking to a person that hasn't reached that point yet. They're not in that point yet. So truly, the light is sweet, and it's a pleasant thing for the eyes to behold the sun. Amen. Let's go on. Verse 9. So, consequently, forget that paragraph mark in your Bible. I don't know what it's there for. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Don't try to rejoice in your old age. Rejoice now while you're young. Every one of you young couples love your wives. You shouldn't want to be away from them. You should want to be home with them every night. God gave you a woman. She changed her name for you. She's lost her bodily shape for you by having your children. She's given herself to you. She'll give herself to you this afternoon. Won't you, sisters? But don't waste an hour. It is a terrible... Life is too short to spend one minute in anger. To spend a minute in bitterness. To spend a minute complaining or criticizing or covetous. To spend a minute discouraged, depressed. Life is too short for all those garbage, sinful emotions. Life is too short for fantasies. Life is too short for grudges. There ought not to be a grudge in your life. Life is too short to be jealous, to be envious, to be jilted, to be jaded. Life is too short. Get over all those things. Let's pretend, let's believe that today's all we've got because we can't boast of tomorrow. And let's make the most of it with our children, with our spouse, with our church, with our brethren, with our souls, with the Lord, with the sunshine, with the food that we're going to eat. Everything that we're going to do. Do you hear me? Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Because he's going to warn him, all that cometh is vanity, young man. You're going to lose it. So use it. 
What is the glory of a young man according to the Bible? His strength. Weren't those days wonderful? You could feel it. Listen, testosterone is a wonder drug. And Pfizer didn't invent it. The Lord God invented it. I'm sorry, you, you girls, let me tell you something. Anytime you really want your husband, anytime you really want your husband, it's because God gave you 5% of the testosterone he's got. Because testosterone is the sex hormone in both men and women. Right, Dad? I won't say anything. I'm sorry. It's a wonderful thing. Thank you, Mom. I knew you'd say that. She'd say, it's fine for me to say anything I want. <laughs> Testosterone. You, you know, do you know when it's, at, when it's at its peak in your body? 19 years of age. 19. Did you say 30 years ago? And it declines from that. Testosterone is wonderful. A guy, a guy can eat Coke and chips. And not work out, and he grows muscle and bone. If he works out a little bit, either in a job or working out at a gym, he grows fast on cookies and chips. Now, if he were to eat nutritionally, he grows even faster, and we call that the NFL or the NBA or other places. Testosterone goes away. But while you're young, rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, because the glory of a young man is his strength, the power that a young man has. There are days that a young man... I used to say to Sherry sometimes, I I always lifted weights. Whenever I lifted weights, what I meant was, whenever I lifted weights, I did it at home, usually. And I would tell Sherry, today's one of those days where I feel like I could wring water out of this bar. Now, I couldn't lift anything close to what super strong guys can lift. But you would lift enough and you would get a pump that was wonderful. Because you can't get that when you're old. So rejoice, O young man in thy youth. When you eat food and can delight in it. And you can eat a decent quantity of it and get thinner. You know, that's in your youth. So rejoice in your youth. When you get old, just smell good food and you gain weight. Every aspect of life deteriorates. So rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. And yet every one of you young women, enjoy every day you have now. While you're in your teens and twenties. You get better when you're in your teens and your twenties. But after that, you don't get better. I'm going to be nice. Oh, rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. He's just commended the sight of the eyes. He's commended in the book, eat your bread and drink your wine with a merry heart. And he's saying, do that, young man, while you're young before you get old. Some commentators, most commentators, and I in the past have used Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 9 ironically or sarcastically where he's mocking the young man. I do not believe that. After having studied through this whole book verse by verse, here are my reasons. I'll give you a few of the 11 reasons why I don't believe it's ironical. The key to me is verse 10. Therefore. Therefore is drawing a conclusion from verse 9. Therefore, remove Sorrow from thy heart. If you remove sorrow from your heart, what does that leave? You're joyful in the first part of verse 9. It's not ironical. Therefore, remove sorrow. 
Be joyful like I just told you to be, and remove evil from your flesh in light of God's judgment, which is the second half of verse 9. Another key. The prior context is sweet rejoicing before the darkness of older days. So there's the exhortation to rejoice while you're young. Another key. The prior context is sweet pleasantries before you can't have any pleasantness. Because look at verse 1 of chapter 12 is going to say the pleasure in life is going to go away. So he's exhorting to use it before it goes away. The following context is the pleasure of younger days before it is gone. Chapter 12 and verse 1. The book throughout has exhorted to rejoicing. The book has mentioned the joys related to youth. Has it told you to enjoy the wife of thy youth? Has it told you to do whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do with thy might? When does a man have his might? But toward his younger days. These are the reasons and more. A key is the sight of your eyes, which has just been commended, not condemned. A key is joy in the heart, which Solomon says is a gift from God. God answers you with joy in your heart. In chapter 5 and verse 20 and chapter 9 and verse 7. A key is the disjunctive but that's in the middle of verse 9. A but which is a disjunctive wouldn't be there if you were using irony. What is irony? Irony is a figure of speech. When you say something, you mean the opposite. Break a leg. You know, when we say to someone, break a leg, we mean be safe. Take care of yourself. You wouldn't say, break a leg, but you're going to get hurt. Okay. I don't want to waste any more time. It's not a waste of time because I want you to know why I've changed my view, my sense on that verse. And I believe God's given us the proper sense in the verse so that it fits with the rest of the whole book. That it's a positive statement being made. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth before these evil days come when you can no longer rejoice in them. And let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. Step outside and enjoy the good, the sunshine. Enjoy your wife. Enjoy working hard. Enjoy learning new things because the days are coming when you can't have that joy. Walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. These are obviously limited by the statement that comes next. But remember, God's going to bring you into judgment for these things. So don't abuse them and don't go to excess in any of them. Is it right to walk after your own heart? You know, people, people write from outside and inside the church to me through our website or, or through email and ask, what is God's will for my life? And many times it's, follow your heart, young man. And I'll write and tell them that. Follow your heart, young man. Do I have a Bible verse for that? It's my favorite verse on knowing the will of God for your life. Proverbs 16.9 A man's heart deviseth his way, and the Lord directs his steps. I'm not talking about following your deceitful heart. I'm not talking about following your sinful heart. I'm talking about following the preferences God gave you. Every one of us are made differently. Some of you are mechanically minded, so we get mechanical engineers. Some of you are financially minded, so we have business administration majors and we have accountants. Some of you are interested in culinary arts, so you want to be a chef. All the, Follow your heart and the Lord will direct your steps. Ruth followed her Naomi's heart, which was to devise a way for them to make a living, and that was to go glean fields, but the Lord directed her steps to the field of Boaz. The Bible says if you desire to go into such and such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, go ahead and make that business plan and do it. Follow your heart to that city. But preface it with this. If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. 
That's all the limitation was put on it. Make no boasts about your business plan unless you submit it to the will of God because you don't even know if you're going to be alive tomorrow. Follow your heart. And these are the, look at the statements. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. And walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. Did Jacob walk in the sight of his eyes? Jacob wandered a couple hundred miles from home, and he ran into two sisters named Rachel and Leah. Did he follow the sight of his eyes? He loved the one that was well-favored and beautiful to look upon. Did he work seven years for her? Did he apply his might to her? Did his heart devise a way? His heart had devised a way. Laban said to him, listen, what do you want your wages to be? He didn't say $10 an hour. He said, I want your daughter, Rachel. See, his heart devised a way. He was following the sight of his eyes. It's not wrong for a man to follow the sight of his eyes. As long as he marries a legitimate woman that he has a right to, that fears the Lord and is not married to someone else. Listen, men don't go around and listening from ugly, the ugliest to the beautiful and start with the ugliest. They follow the sight of the eyes. And you do that when you're young. And Solomon's encouraging him to do that. But... Know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. That's the limitation on all the things that God gives us to do. God takes care of you when you're young. Do you know in the Bible, a man could not be away from his wife for the first year of marriage? And I've taught you this many times. Because God wanted that husband at home free from being charged with military duty, free from being charged with business travels, to be at home to cheer up his wife. Because that's part of youth. And a wise husband is going to remember to keep his wife cheered up. Because the more you cheer up your wife, the better wife you're going to have. The better wife you have, the happier you're going to be. And that's why a husband is to cherish and nourish his wife, according to Ephesians chapter 5. Because it's the reason Jesus Christ cherishes and nourishes the church. And why men cherish and nourish their bodies to get the most out of them they can. And everyone wins. It's a win-win proposition. Rejoice, O young man in thy youth. It tears me up. It tears me up from my own experience. It tears me up from watching your experiences of ever wasting a day being unhappy about anything in your life. I can worry and fret and think as much as anyone about how I wish things were different. So don't think I don't know what I'm talking. I do know what I'm talking about. And when I read these verses, I get so convicted for myself and my past. I wasted so much time as a youth. I wish I could go back and have my youth over. Does that, all of you look at me like I'm the only one in here. I wish I could live my youth better. But I look at some of you and I wonder why you don't want to take advantage of today. Love your wife today. Love what you're going to eat today. Love the weather today. Love your health today. Love going to school. Love going to work. Love every aspect of it. Love washing the dishes, ladies. Love putting them in the dishwasher. Love having a baby. Love nursing a baby. Because the day's coming when you won't be able to do any of those things. Rejoice, O young woman, in thy youth. Your hair is not going to be like, you think you have a bad hair day now? At 16, I had a bad hair day. What are you talking about? What are you smoking? Rejoice. 
O young woman, rejoice, O young man. And I'm speaking to you young married couples. You make everything you can of your marriage because there's a day coming where you won't be able to make much of it. Yes, we'll both know that you're still married to each other and we're going to introduce you to each other, but you won't know who each other is. And I'm not making light of that. These are the dark days. No wonder he said all that cometh is vanity. So we need to make sure that we're using what God's given us now. I could go Don't resent your job. If if a boss gives you something that's hard and heavy to lift, go do it. Because guess what? You can do it. There's a day coming where you won't be able to. And do you know that if you go do it intensely, you're going to get a pump. Girls, don't just ignore me for a minute. You're going to get a pump and it feels wonderful. You know, you reach, wow. You won't have that. Enjoy your, rejoice now. Because the days of vanity are coming. We get cheated by discontentment. Discontentment causes us to lose days by waiting until we're older because we want, we're, there's something out there that's going to make us happier. No, you can be happier right today by a change in attitude. We get on a treadmill of life where I got to go, I got to get a promotion, I got to get a degree, I got to do this, I got to do that. And some of those things you need to do, but make sure they're in your, their proper place so that you don't lose the days leading up to that thing. Because as soon as you get that thing, there's going to be another thing to get. Live each day. Teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And one of the acts of wisdom is to enjoy each day. I hate the treadmill of life when you're too busy. My wife nursed seven babies. Sometimes it's hard for me to remember her doing that. She begged me not to tell you what I asked her recently. My dad said, don't do it. (laughs) That's terrible. All you young men that have little children and nursing wives and pregnant wives, enjoy it. Look at that wife and just say to yourself, look what I did. Say whatever you need to say to make yourself happy. Buy her a pretty dress. A pregnant woman is beautiful in her own way. A pregnant woman is a very beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a gift from God. My God didn't make any mistakes about the woman. None. I don't give anybody credit for saying he made a mistake. And for those nine months of her swelling up, God chose to do it that way. And so you buy her a pretty dress. And she can look pretty that way. You know, let her change in the dark, but she can look pretty in it. I shouldn't have said that. The point is rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. The point all being the youth, because the days are coming when you're old and you will not be able to do it. And each day you're getting closer to it, and you are on the decline. If you are past the age of 30, you are on the decline. And so you want to maximize the life that God has given you. Life is too short to waste it. Love your spouse today, not tomorrow. Love her today. If you're past 30, her body ain't getting better tomorrow. It ain't getting better next week. Love her today. Your body ain't getting better. Love her today. Life is too short. It's a terrible shame for a young person to waste an hour of life complaining or criticizing or being depressed or discouraged. 
You're squandering your life. We're going to give an account for it. God is going to ask us for our days. God's going to ask you about your spouse. I gave you so-and-so, and you're going to hear a name. I gave you so-and-so. What did you do with them? Did you cause them to waste their life because you were wasting your life? You'll never have back the beauty of youth, the ease of youth, the liberties of youth, the strength of youth, the opportunities of youth. Every year that you get older, there's less and less opportunity. Love your spouse. Love making love. Love sharing life. Love building a home. Love getting pregnant. Love nursing babies. Love going to school, learning a skill, increasing an ability. Increasing in beauty and strength. Explore the world for food. Explore the world for places. Explore the world for for music. God glorifying music. Because the day is coming when the daughters of music are going to be turned down. You will not be able to hear good music. You will not be able to taste good food. You will not want to leave your house because you're scared to even go out on the sidewalk. Those days are coming so that when you're young, take advantage of it, young people. Do not let something out there cause you to lose today. Do not let frustration with your parents, your job, or anything else cause you to lose today. And and us married folks, let us take advantage of every day. Let's count it by the hour. It's running away from us. And so the Lord says, in a book designed for how to maximize life under the sun, I know we have a better life coming above the sun. I know that. The New Testament's all about that. But right now we're under the sun and there's a way to maximize it. And it's to be content with such things as ye have and to enjoy them. And to enjoy them richly. God's going to bring every work into judgment. That doesn't mean He's going to bring your joy into judgment in verse 9 unless it's sinful joy in some sinful pursuit. Because I want you to know that when Solomon explains the judgment, he explains it in the last verse of the book of Ecclesiastes, he says God's going to bring every secret thing into judgment, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And he's referring to good things in verse 9. And he's telling you, remember judgment, so that in the, ex, in, the, in the drive and enthusiasm and euphoria of youth, do not sin. Because the bodily lust, that's why the Bible calls them youthful lusts, Timothy, flee youthful lusts. That's why David prayed, Lord, hold not against me the sins of my youth. That's why Job prayed in the book of Job, the the iniquities of my youth. When you're young, you're, you're prone to more temptations in the flesh, and there's more opportunities in the flesh. And so the warning is, God's going to bring everything into judgment. But He's not condemning all the things in the first half of verse 9. He's just condemning the things in the first half of verse 9 that are wrong. So just keep yourself moderate in the light of that there's a, there's a coming meeting with the Lord. That's why he's going to say, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. While you're following your heart and your youth, remember your creator in the youth. Just so that you stay balanced. That, that was my balance for today. Life is too short to waste a minute of it. Because dark days are coming when you can't enjoy it as much. So enjoy it now. Judgment is coming and the certainty and terribleness of it sh- should tell us and teach us that we shouldn't sin. So there's the balance. Live life to its fullest that you can in the light of God's Word and with the blessings that He gives. Listen, He says marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. He expects your wife to be like the loving hind in pleasant row. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times. Be thou ravished always with her love. That's the Word of God. That's what it says. I preach the whole counsel of God if God will help me. But there's a day coming when those things won't work. And so enjoy them now in the constraints that God gives. And His constraints are liberal. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. The commandments of God are not grievous. Our God is good. 
He fills our hearts with food and gladness of a thousand different sorts. His mercies and loving kindnesses and tender mercies are over all His works. Therefore, because of what I've just told you, that life is short and that life while you're alive and able to see the sunshine is good and sweet and pleasant, and because all that's coming is vanity, therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart. Get rid of whatever is hindering you. Don't be frustrated with your spouse. Don't be frustrated with your parents. God chose them. They're fine parents. Maximize your relationship with them. Enjoy going to school. Enjoy going to work. Enjoy working out. Enjoy eating. Enjoy exploring while you're young. Remove sorrow from your heart. Well, I can't do anything that my friend... What are you talking about? You can do a million things. Well, I wish I had it. No! Be thankful for what you do have. Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart so that you end up being joyful and merry, as the ninth verse described. And put away evil from your flesh because you're going to give an account to God and you don't want any evil that you have to give account of. You only want good things to give account of. That you have richly enjoyed the things He's given, that you've put your trust in Him and not in uncertain riches, that you haven't been high-minded, and that you've been rich in good works. Those are all good things. If you've delighted in your wife, the Lord's going to bless that. He calls it honorable. Marriage is honorable in all. He loves that. He loves a good meal. What sort of thy soul lusteth after? Enjoy those things. Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh. There, do you see this balance? Remove sorrow from your heart. Where does that leave you? Joyful and merry. Remove evil from your flesh. Where does that leave you? Standing clean before God when you meet Him. There's the balance. We go down the middle. Getting as much of this as we can within the limits of God's Word and avoiding this because we don't want to give an account that is evil in the day of judgment. Amen. That's the balance of, Hebrew, of Ecclesiastes 11, 7 through 10. For childhood and youth are vanity. Childhood and youth are vanity. How are they vain? In both ways. On this one about sorrow, they're unhappy because they wish things were different. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. I wish I had a car. I wish I had a driver's license. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. And the Bible says, remove sorrow from your heart. Then, childhood and youth are vanity because they don't think about the commitment. They're prone to fornication and other sins of their youth. So they're prone to rebellion. They're prone to foolish talking. They're prone to jesting. They're prone to gluttony. They're prone to drunkenness. Those are all the things young men need to avoid. Put evil away from your flesh. You're going to give an account of it. Enjoy one Big Mac. See how slowly you can eat one Big Mac and enjoy every bite of it instead of seeing how few bites you can use on the first Big Mac on your way to four. Because youth tends to gluttony. Youth tends to drunkenness. Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. They want to get you in trouble on both sides. So rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. And let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. And walk in the ways of thine heart, in the sight of thine eyes. You want to go try a new job when you're young? Go try a new job. You can't do it when you're older. You want to go take a course? Go take it. It's harder to take it when you're older. And pretty soon you'll reach a time where you can't take it. Listen, a DVD player reminds me of all these things. I've got to call on the youth to even figure out how to turn it on. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Truly, delight is sweet. 
And it is a pleasant thing for the eyes to behold the sun. But if you live many day, many years and you enjoy them all, yet there's dark days coming. All that cometh is vanity. We stand before God, every single one of you, and you're going to give an account for this assembly and this sermon. I'll give an account for this sermon in a greater way than you will, but you're going to give an account for this sermon as well. If we have wasted an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year, or a decade, or decades of our lives by being angry, bitter, covetous, complaining, discontent, depressed, discouraged, fantasy, uh, holding grudges, irritated, implacable, jilted, jaded, jealous, envious, mad. If you've wasted them, you better confess them to God right now and walk out of this place committed that we're never going to do that again. Life is a gift from God to you, and every hour of that life is a gift. He gives you the years that you have. He wants you not to save up and see how much you die in your bank account. He wants you to use it and live it, live it, enjoy it, and have a merry heart about it. He wants you to rejoice in your youth with whatever days we have left. Let's confess to God the ones that we have wasted, worrying about the future, wishing something were different, wishing we had something else, and maximize what we do have and to rejoice in our youth. You young people out there, you young married couples, don't you dare waste today. The Lord knows what I'm telling you right now is the truth, and he will ask you why you wasted one hour after today's sermon. Do not waste a single opportunity. Thank God for every one of them. Work with all your might. Go to school with all your might. It's a blessing. Enjoy every meal that you have. Enjoy the taste of every food that your mother puts on your plate. Enjoy every one of those things that you possibly can, because it is the gift of God to you. It is His Joy that he puts in our hearts, and it's his commandment to rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, because all that cometh is vanity. That is a true lesson about life under the sun. And we will get to the other part of it when we come back. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. We want the balance. We want to live in light of eternity by remembering our creator in our youth. But while we've got youthful ability to enjoy the pleasures God gives, we don't want to waste a day of time. Lord, give us the wisdom to walk this road in the way that we should. That we can enjoy everything you have for your children under the sun. And we can be prepared to meet you above the sun and give a joyful account of our lives. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.